Now, for the first time ever, MCA Universal Home Video presents three collector sets, each featuring three classic monster films and priced at just $44.98. And greatly relieved. The Universal Studios Monsters box set includes Frankenstein. Think of it. The brain of a dead man waiting to live again in a body I made. Dracula. I told him nothing. I'm loyal to you, Master. The Wolfman. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. The Mummy's box set includes The Mummy. Bury it where you found it. You have read the curse. You dare defy it. The Mummy's curse. We must find Dr. Halsey. The Mummy, the Mummy took the girl away. The Mummy's ghost. If you spot the Mummy, don't try to mix with him. Just keep them in sight until more help arrives. The Creature box set includes Creature from the Black Lagoon. The Creature Walks Among Us. Revenge of the Creature. Gilman, prehistoric monster. Maybe there's no such thing. Look for these collector's box sets priced at just $44.98 each. From MCA Universal Home Video. Are you afraid of unknown things? Sully, and with me as always, JJ and Tom have joined back on for this topic. Blah, blah, <laughs> belly scaly. Ooh. Ow. Ow. <laughs> as always, Paul is always in the corner <laughs> trying to not get stalked by werewolves. Werewolves, ninjas, whatever else comes at me. Just oh, gotta watch out for it. That's what they missed out the, the boat on was a ninja monster. That's right. That would have been pretty interesting. It would have been cool. Uh, joining us, Ninja for the Werewolf. Show, Ninja Werewolf, make it so. Uh, joining us for the show is Amanda Wilson. Hello, hi. Looking to forward to uh, being hopefully the final girl this evening, and uh, <laughs> I uh, happy to be here to talk all things Universal Monsters. Okay, yeah, very nice, Amanda. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome. It's actually really fun kind of just looking at this because there's some sites that vary on whether they want to include the tw 1920s version of the Luciani Senior in Hunchback of Notre Dame or the Phantom of the Opera, which kind of kick-started it off. And then recently others have started noting, hey, this island Earth is technically one of the universal monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does start off with Cheney. 
yeah, absolutely. Doing, yeah, yeah. Doing doing those two movies, especially um the hunchback of Notre Dame. If anything, it was the blueprint. And then yeah, it's know, the it blueprint. took off in the thirties with you know and Dragulas, the Frankenstein and the nineteen thirty-two mummy. And the thing is, is that he was supposed to play Dracula. And I've what heard happened, that, but he was uh, he was doing a, goes into detail on it. <laughs> he was doing a movie where he played an uh, an engineer on a train, and the stuff they were blowing around for snow was like fiberglass, mm. and um, that was about right for the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were doing that, and it got caught in his his throat, and he developed throat cancer. <sighs> yeah, so oh. Emily wanted him to play Dracula when he did. London After Midnight, which is the, the lost MGM movie that if you've ever read about it, it's one of the, it's known as the great, great, one of the great lost movies of all time. Um, you know, he, this is he back had, before guys, before they were backing everything up on tape and everything. Yeah. Well, basically it was, it was shown once and then like they said, this, the, the, the film was basically destroyed. It was, you know, the negative was destroyed. The only thing they have is like, pictures and stuff like that and cheney looks cheney looks weird because he's got like a fright wig on and like a top hat and he's got you know his eyes are sunken and he's got like these really like you know cheesy vampire teeth you know and he walks around like he's like you know the, like in a very stooped over manner as the vampire and they right. remade that movie as mark of the vampire in 1935 with lugosi and mm-hmm. lionel barrymore um it's but, an interesting experiment yeah but yeah, the, the 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 first two Cheney movies, the the Hunchback of Notre Dame and Phantom of the Opera, are the are the the um, blueprint, you know, the 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 tab the tableau, if you will, for what monster movies were going to be. Totally, and absolutely, yeah, because of all the DV sets varying back in the day, you know, it or let alone the tapes, it's easy to forget that, you know, the Invisible Man is part of that canon, even the Mole People, Deadly Man is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But um, it's... Uh, so, uh, would you say Dracula or Frankenstein is, or the Wolfman are, is your personal favorite, JJ? My personal favorite, I think, has to be Dracula. It's because it's just on a growth factor. Yeah. It, it's iconic role for Lugosi and if that's actually the first like real movie I saw with my parents oh wow when a little kid well uh channel 13 if anybody that is from the east coast channel 13 would always show horror movies in yeah. October late mm-hmm. at night so I got to see some of them the, still do fortunately. yeah and I got to see the big three I got to see um what was it I got to see Dracula, Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, and the Mummy. So, so they played those four, and then they nice. like the MVPs. The, uh, <laughs> yes. So it was like it was great to watch, it. and then they do like the Bride of Frankenstein, and you know, but Dracula was the one that I loved because of the fact that he's so suave and so debonair, and unlike Dracula's that would come later, like Christopher Lee or uh, Franklin Jelly, you know, he's he's got that like. It's just this weird way he he moves about. You know his character is, you know you don't see fangs, you don't see anything. You just 
it's it's his presence. Lugosi was able to get through his limitations and actually just still just kind of aside from the look, just kind of just again it he goes back it goes back to the Cagney routine. You, he has the walk, he has the beats, he has just even just the glancing around, just the intimidation factor yeah. that is needed for this role, which is kind of why he's just always going to be listed as the top vampire portrayers. Yeah. Okay, so usually uh, I, I'd let the newbies go. Uh, so, Amanda, uh, how did you get into the Universal uh, Monster Circle and just mm-hmm. say, you know, this is worthy of my time. I see why these are considered gems, why these have become even more beloved on, off of cable TV and home media releases. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because you're asking that and I'm trying to think of a clever answer. And it's just like, no, it's I don't I ever just, I just want feel... the sincere, like, hey, I was... I was one with this. Like, it, there's we we've had all kinds of answers before. Just when having random chats, ironically, is like I I know many who even go to the Abbott and Costello crossover. That was their introduction. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, I think a lot. I was thinking a lot as I um, watched these of being such a huge fan of Haunted Honeymoon as a child, um, and and like. Um, you know and this was before we were going to kind of even the evil dead or scream kind of marketing you know this is like yeah. word of mouth and this is a midnight movie or it's both you're gonna both be creeped out and be laughing your ass off you know and yeah and it's yeah, just like imagination <laughs> yeah i just feel like they've all you know just been a, you know i've always liked older movies like even as a kid mm-hmm. even unruly kid I always liked older movies and um they just kind of um I just sort of maybe re knew about them as a kid and then re fell in love with them um in high school as a uh, pretentious wannabe uh film student aspiring person <laughs> and, oh like, say no such thing there's no one more pretentious than my shithead professor just saying anyway like art house like um theaters and seeing getting to see some of these on the big screen for for the first time like I remember being in Boston the summer before my senior year of high school and seeing the mummy on the big screen for the first time oh yeah it's just really a life-changing experience like to um to see these you know I've been fortunate enough we have an amazing um classic film festival here in uh or summer movie series here in Columbus Ohio every summer at a classic theater downtown (laughs) and um you know we uh I've gotten to see so many of these on the big screen and And be with the right crowd You, you don't have the current annoying crowds which is you know people bring in their you know underage kid into it and they're screaming yeah. asking to be let go or dicking around on their phone <laughs> yeah and people pastors. are excited to be there and and you know um it, it's just visually there's so i mean there's so many different things we can talk about in the course of this conversation but i think the first thing that comes to me is just the um the visually they're stunning you know there's so many um shots that are so big and like and I'm really uh not not an expert by any means but really interested in practical effects (laughs) and like (laughs) classic effects and 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 you know just the way that they were able to use um the sets and the effects they had to create a feeling that was so big 
um, so is giant. just really amazing to me and something that has lasted because it, it's just, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, cause you all probably know a lot more of the modern stuff than I do, but I, I just don't, I don't feel like we see those big, um, I don't know. It'd almost be difficult to put a, put on something so big now without the. Oh, like, we talk about this all the time. Like we were talking oh, yeah. James Cameron on here and noting how, like, after like ninety one, every other producer wanted to make their movie kind of look as epic as T two, but they forgot what made it good. They're just like, oh, just enhance the effects. I'm like, yeah, but did you focus on anything else? No, right, so, exactly. That's why this looks great, but well, sucks. <laughs> it's, it's not only that, but Amanda's right because and and um, the way the the scenery was done back then, everything looked epic. You know, yeah. If, Technicolor if seen, and in this case, pre-Technicolor is like every the music yeah. and the set design is kind of the main draw. And uh, okay, so my introduction to it personally. I just I, I just recall my parents just seeing casual movies like The Wizard of Oz and everything on TV, and one that constantly replayed was the original Frankenstein. And I, even if I never saw like it all the way through, it just it stuck with me. It's like wow, this can be kind of deep and emotional just seeing a man just realizing he's a creation. And but the the best known, ironically, well, I think Lugosi is probably the most interesting of this bunch. The one I am probably the most familiar with is easily. Lou Cheney Jr. Just because, again, just so many mainstream, you know, Western appearances, especially High Noon. But then seeing, you know, Spider Baby, House of Terror, the Alligator People, Indian Fighter. It's like the dude knew how to bring so much life, whatever the role, whether he was just basically a featured extra or grind or just, you know, someone's dad who <laughs> happened to be an outlaw. You, you just could tell that he, I, I applaud him the most for just getting through all those typecasts that were even harsher back in that day. <laughs> I I could I actually did not really realize until doing additional research in recent years that there was more than like two Frankenstein movies. I just never saw those other ones as much other than the crossover with the Wolfman. Yeah, there was so much to think about. Like I was like, what do I watch? You know, because I loved having the excuse to re rewatch some of my favorites you know, <laughs> for this conversation. And then I was like, go into good old Wikipedia to like see what my parameters were and what I wanted to put. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like <laughs> Even there the was really a lot of sequels mummy. and spinoffs that yeah. I didn't see. The, the Christopher Lee 1959 mummy, I often see still just like replayed often more than this one. And that's a hammer horror production, you know? <laughs> yeah, which which is a, a soft spot also in my heart, but a tale for another time. Totally. It's a totally different oyster. It's hard to even compare it <laughs> okay so uh paul uh when, when when did you decide to venture into this where uh, the tombs the catacombs if you will <laughs> oh well as far as a uh, film goes my introduction was actually the abbott and costello movies oh uh, wow i was <laughs> so, I mean, there you go I was loosely familiar with them beforehand, just as... Uh, it's just, people forget that they were both on the Universal lot, and they just said, hey, I got the rights to all these. When we sure yeah, that, the that, bill. that was pretty much my first official uh, four-way into it. Uh, but uh, uh, I definitely liked it, and uh, when I came across more, I tried to watch them whenever I could. Uh, 
uh, ones that stuck out most for me were I really loved the Dracula movies. Uh, my mom had a hand in that too because she. And was, this was years before we were trying to make them sensual or even just you know very gruesome. You know. Yeah. Well. well uh, probably most of the Dracula movies I watched as a kid were probably the ones from the '60s and '70s. Gotcha. <laughs> but uh, uh, just catching those on whatever network TV was running, usually on a Saturday and such. Uh, but, uh, but definitely the uh, the old uh, the old black and white ones. I I don't know what it is, but just those type of movies, the black and white, uh, just just really pops, sticks in your sticks in your head. There, really good. Yeah, you, it's like you almost want to be teleported to that actual time. Yeah, yeah. When that yeah. Was... Okay, so Tom, who actually no, I, I better ask Paul first. Uh, what, what, who was your so Dracula? Would you say is your personal favorite monster? It's... Yeah, Dracula okay. was my favorite. Uh, uh, Frankenstein, uh, or the the monster rather, is probably my uh, next favorite, followed okay. by the the Very Wolfman. Nice. Okay, uh, so Tom, uh, how did you come into the fold uh, growing up in the seventies? Uh, I actually didn't start with the films. I actually started with a little a classic illustrated book about Dracula from way, way back. And I I remember being drawn to it as a kid there in my small town home library. I would always be drawn yeah. to that because I <laughs> loved the drawings i loved how dracula was portrayed i he he truly came off the page larger than life so that got me interested that was got got what got my foot in the door then i started to watch dracula whenever i could as i've gotten older i i still like dracula i it still holds a special place in my heart um nowhere near a stake by the way uh but um I've actually grown to love Frankenstein a lot more. I the reason for that is because the story itself is what Mary Shelley captivates. Yes, because it, it's basically it's almost like two different films in the same film, and I mean that as a good thing because you see the you see the the doctor doing whatever it took to make his creation, and then you can see the creation kind of realize itself mm -hmm. so when it comes to that third act you have the, the conflict between the doctor's vision versus the the monster's perception and no that creates a lot of great tension a lot of great it, it creates an atmosphere that that i absolutely love plus i'm a science geek so naturally i gravitate towards ones like Frankenstein and the Invisible Man, but that's not taking anything away from the others. But the one, but Frankenstein has has become my favorite because of the story. Yeah, the the Jacob's Ladder is really catchy in the uh, any of your film versions. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's definitely a lot of plot twists in some of these. Um, yeah, and to go back to the the visuals for a second, I I just thought I just thought of something. I was looking back at the time frame and I was thinking that maybe the reason why black and white pops so much is because it's very stark. You don't have the gradients like we do now. But on top of that, 
the backgrounds and settings, I want to say that that was sort of influenced by silent movies and coming into more of the coming more into the as they experimented more with with the medium. So they had so maybe a lot of them came from a stage background. Uh, where you have to make so. things, yeah. yeah. You definitely have to make things larger. You have to make things feel like they're right there. So I would say that would that would have as big of an influence as, as, as anything on it was, it was how these uh, together. It's also way before any product placement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, and I mean, you look at some of the more recent ones. You know, obviously, probably you could probably argue the '90s mummy was probably the best successful by trying to have an old school kind of look and then mm-hmm. yeah dracula untold i actually did not mind because it was just it just had a really bad marketing campaign and mm-hmm. i kind of appreciated that rick baker was able to work on the wolfman thing but it just kind of had just too much kind of a little self-indulgent nature to it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when you see how it's like universal was tempted to kind of steal some of that dc and avengers money by uh, just trying to do a big giant team up, uh, and they were announcing who was going to play it. It was like, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be a giant team up, you know. It, it mm-hmm. when they did Frankenstein against the Wolfman back in the day, you know, it was just cool because it was kind of earned. Like that was just kind of uh, the typical B movie attraction, and to just kind of just force a franchise on the public, you know. Obviously, somebody's going to mm-hmm. get lost in the way there, you know. Yeah. It, you got to actually kind of do it very naturally. And then when people actually just literally send you fan mail saying, I want more of what you you have to mm-hmm. offer, then it becomes very clear that the material is greater than even anyone else involved with it realized. <laughs> yeah. Well, you make them want it before they know they want it. Yes. <laughs> Don't give them cereal, feed them, and then take a poll afterwards of which one was well received. <laughs> And you have to realize too, with with the Universal um, system, you had Jack Pierce doing the makeup, and he did some of the um, and people liked seeing that. You know, they liked seeing Frankenstein's monster. They liked seeing the Wolfman. They liked seeing the Bride of Frankenstein. And even follow ups, you know. There's... Yeah. There's more than just the bride. Now there's the son yeah. of Frankenstein. Well, what, well a lot of people, a lot of people mess that up because they think Frankenstein's the monster. No, Frankenstein is the doctor. No, the yeah. creature. <laughs> the creature is the one they call. You know, they call him the creature. And you know, well, here's the thing. I always said when you're watching the first Dracula movie, you're watching a stage play because that's what oh, it yeah. was. It was a stage yeah. play. Everything's filmed like a stage play. Yeah, it's not you know the Mary Shelley version. It's not no no, no no it's not it's it's they took the Bram Stoker Shelley, version. Bram Stoker, yeah. Bram Stoker <laughs> version and they yeah. they had a play out already and Lugosi was doing the play and they said, Okay, mm-hmm. we're just gonna film the play. And Todd Browning and Carl Freund did a great job of you know setting that up. Then Frankenstein comes along and that's more you know interplaying than anything else totally. because there's a lot there's a lot more to do with the scenes there's a lot more you know again carl Freund filming stuff up from the ground filming stuff up you know over something you know the, the photography the photography it doesn't give you the, the creeps 
but what you're seeing is you know a man creating a creature out of you know a corpse and i want to say it's i'm so glad you talked you know tom brought up the um you know we talked we're talking about the creation aspect and what and you know like i don't know if any of you are parents but like I'm a parent and I grew a person and then now they're like he's seven but he's already like running amok in his own like little dude and I, I know it's like a different um context when it's a science uh experiment uh gone awry but just that uh and I think Shelley was writing about the experience of man as God's creation or whatever you know so I don't mean to minimize that but well no, that's a good point too I I always see Shelley as seeing um him as frankenstein the guy who opens uh the pandora's box you know and, the and I, paw. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like this thing where you know you know he's 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 playing god frankenstein he's playing yeah. god and he doesn't view him as an actual human just someone he no. can keep experimenting on you know and he, he just sees him and he goes you know he's like he's like um he's like the, the, and if you ever see the movie there was a part they cut out when he says, when he says, it's alive, it's alive. Oh my God, it's alive. They cut that out in the original run because you couldn't say that in the movie. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was surviving they, both the code and then pre-code. <laughs> yeah. But when you, when you see the original movie, it's like, he he is he is playing God, you know. He's 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 taking the th- the the elements, you know, the, the the idea of like creating a life, you know, out of a de- a reanimated corpse, and that's what gets me, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, the way the way the movies tone those first three movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, and The Bride of Frankenstein, they're very well paced and thought out. They, there's no, there's no, there's a love story in, I think in Frankenstein, there's a love, there's not really a love story in Dracula, there's not really a love story in Bride of Frankenstein, but, you know, when you watch it, you're, when you watch those first three that were so successful, they, there is a, there is this, this thing of like, cre- you know, creating, destroying, you know, you know, it's this whole it's this whole thing it's like okay now everybody's now everybody wants more like you said they built up to it all and you know that there's a bigger portrait that they're trying to yeah get into and i think what universal did was the best thing was that when they put the mummy out mm-hmm. in 32 that was kind of like a big you know and they put out the invisible man now they're now they're starting to branch their ground out a little more, you know. And James Whale, who had done Frankenstein, did the Invisible Man, and I think he might have done the Mummy. I don't know who did the Mummy. Uh, it was nineteen thirty-two, but yeah. Uh, and and I, it seems like you know often it would be the first one featured, but it is kind of wild how it came later. You know, everyone was you know re- reacting mainly to the Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein. Uh, and it, it's just kind of wild how it like you say it naturally evolves you, there's so much just kind of going into again just physical sets 
local, well-known, you know, pre-fame actors and having to all just like, and when they did all these crossovers and then, you know, they, they just do natural spinoffs. It's like, let's talk about the bride. Let's talk about son. Let's talk about the other person. And I do kind of feel like the creature from the Black Lagoon kind of suffers because it's kind of mainly trying to be kind of like pre-Godzilla movies mainly. Oh, it's like, so good though. Like it. It's the best. It's my I, favorite one. Okay. That might be controversial. No, it's fine. I oh I like it. It's just it's but it's more like I think as the sequels kind of go on, there's only two more of them. Is like it's kind of just mainly built around the monsters is gonna go on a rampage versus the first yeah. one, which is kind of a treasure hunt, and then next thing you know, <laughs> these two guys who are here to buy, you know, go after treasure and then do a measuring contest, you know, fighting over a love triangle that are then you know endangered by this creature who's like hey you're my turf buddy <laughs> yeah i mean i i love that um you know and, and we might talk about this more later but just the the themes the themes of the movies are big you know like we were just talking so about some the <laughs> themes in frankenstein and like in creature from the black lagoon they're talking about like the interference in nature and like um you know what is our role when we're coming into like someone else's habitat which is like I think something we still need to have conversations about now, um, right. all these years later. Yeah. And then like, you know, so there's these big concepts um, that that the stories bring up that I think are, are why they, re- one of the reasons they retain interest after so much time, as, as well as being just uh, works of art in and of themselves. Yeah, and building off of what Amanda said, um, one of the things I would, well, going into this, I started to go back and think about the movies themselves and the stories behind them. And I started to see a few common themes, some of them dealing with human nature. But in all the, all the main ones, all the ones that we're dealing with here, there is a moral underneath it. You may, it may not be easy to see, but when you start thinking about it, like with Frankenstein, you're dealing with the power of passion versus, versus ethics. And what constitutes a one that constitutes a life? With with Dracula, you're dealing with the human nature, the of a creature that that kind of straddles the line between humanity and beast and being a beast. Um, and with creatures of Black Lagoon, especially in, in the later sequels, not only did we talk about taking taking them out of nature, but we're also in that in the creature walks among us. Um, yeah. That oh, yeah. one, that one, really stuck out with me because it it was basically saying you cannot take nature out of a creature. We are all you can yeah. dress it up, you can do whatever you want, but there, nature is still nature, and you cannot control it. You cannot contain it. At some point, years before we were doing disaster will, movies and having to have the same chat, you know, <laughs> Just, yeah, we're having yeah, to it, remind everyone, you know. I'm mistreat sorry. an animal, you know, you don't get the right to be complain when it finally, you know, lashes out at you and it finally yeah. bites you. It's like, well, yeah. you mistreated it. You abused it. You endangered it. And you endangered even more people by, you know, this is what all the other, you know, experiment gone rat uh, bad movies basically pay tribute to is like, don't, don't touch well, what you don't have any right to touch. You know? <laughs> The Invisible Man is, is you know, when you talk about 
you know, science and nature and all that. The Invisible Man is one of the greatest stories that they ever filmed, the original, because it talks about the perversion of science for one man's ill-gotten greed. You totally. know, the guy, mm-hmm. the guys, the guy played played by the great Claude Rains. You know, he he he's he's he was already uh, kind of like Vincent Price, good at playing either sleazy, sneaky, or just anti-hero he, kind of roles. He could, yeah, and and the thing that was that was that his his claim to fame, you know, Claude Rains, that was like his first big movie, and if you if you watch it, he's basically just just doing the voice, but the voice is so sinister. It's like I think we'll start with a few murders, then we'll you know, and he's like. It's like, you know, he's got, that, he's got that that thing on where he's like the head's wrapped. He's got the big glasses mm-hmm. and the, the hat and the coat and the fake nose. And, yes. you know, <laughs> and at first you're trying to giggle and then you're like, well, wait a minute. Now that the, then he begins this reign of terror and it's like, oh, OK, OK, now I get it. now I understand what this you know, H.G. Wells wrote wrote about that in that story about how a man can be so perverted by science for his own ill-gotten gains, you know. That's awesome. That, that's great about that. The mummy, too. You don't mess, you don't You should have never gone into that tomb and investigated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not to yeah, disturb, it, be disturbed. It was you know? sealed. Yeah. You ignored and, the warning. Yeah, yeah and it go ahead. I was just going to say, there's definitely these, like, uh, almost like, I mean, maybe I'm, you know, projecting as a, a, you know, American, but like these like puritanical, like value, like there's this fear of the losing control and this. We have it now with all the other fear mongers, you know, (laughs) to surrendering to our baser nature and that like, um, and, and I, I, I thought a lot about like, um, not to like politicize in any way but like figuring out (laughs) as a female viewer like what the it's always interesting to see what the archetypes are there as well um you know as because in in that mythology you know women are supposed to be the the gentle influence right that like um, (laughs) tames the beast right and and like when when is that archetype like followed in these stories and when is it like um subverted a little bit you know and and um so that was just something interesting i was thinking about as i was watching it as well unfortunately a lot of them get to understand the creature and either defend it or you know tell everyone lay off you know distract the bad guys who are trying to kill the creatures or you know and half the time you know all these gunmen are coming out and they don't even know why they're you know trying to kill it other than they're spooked or they got you know a bigger boss to answer mm-hmm. to who happens to be the mad scientist <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of good soundtracks to all these movies that i don't know if they've ever officially been released they've never i know that with dracula they did the philip glass score oh. and and then what they used to do is they had uh the right of spring played for dracula they really didn't have that much in the way for dracula nor for frankenstein the mummy and i think maybe the invisible man they may have done some music but yeah i realized it wasn't the wasn't thing it was the story that was driving the movie around oh totally um, 
there's plenty of moments where it's just dead silence, but it works because not only is it, you know, a pre-movie and don't get me wrong, if you're introducing other film buffs to it, you're going to have to tell them, hey, put your goddamn phone down and concentrate yeah. here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a but, slow burn kind of movie. <laughs> but like when you look at it, they have those first four or five movies come out and then Universal begins to go into other territory with horror. And the first thing they do is they make a movie called uh, the Black Cat. Yes. With with, with, uh, Lugosi. with Lugosi and Karloff, where Lugosi plays a man bent on revenge because Karloff killed his wife. And it's got one of the best lines I've ever heard in a movie where the guy goes, <laughs> I give you a powerful narcotic. You know, he says, he says, sounds like a little super, supernatural baloney to me. And, and Lugosi turns to the guy and says, supernatural, perhaps. Baloney, perhaps not. (laughs) (laughs) We'll return after these messages. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. They do that. Then they do Werewolf of London with Henry Hull. Yep. Which which is a very, like... It's in the recent uh, collection, too, so it's yeah. it's definitely long overdue for re- rediscovery. And then they, they, they do The Raven. The Raven, yeah. Edgar Allan yeah. yeah. Hesitation. The Invisible Ray. I'm looking at this stuff right now. Dracula's Daughter, which is kind of like... It's lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know if they just weren't able to remaster it or it, MGM it, it, dispute. Or... Well, yes, no, it was. I think Universal did do it. 
Um, but a lot of it was kind of a little controversial for his time because here she was a female vampire going after a woman. Hmm. You know, it yeah. was kind of, we were kind of like, oh, oh, okay, okay, you know. We well, like you said, they're finally branching out. And like Amanda said, yeah. you know, they're also giving all the humans something different to do instead of, you know, just mad townsmen who instantly yeah. go and pick up torches. <laughs> Burn them. <laughs> Burn them. <laughs> Burn all down Name women. Name women. Torture. <laughs> yes, torture. Because torture solves shit. It doesn't. <laughs> torture. Torture. Carry a torture or a pitchfork. Some people carried both. They do Tower of London, which is kind of a real strange. It's not strange, really. It's basically Richard III. That's a good way. They do kind of, yeah, they have a lot of Shakespeare inspired. You know, it's like Rath, Basil Rathbone's in it, you know, the guy who's going to play Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. And, and Sherlock Carlos Frankenstein. I'd see it. Yeah. And then you have, um, what's what's the one? There's Captain was... Wild Woman, and then there's Invisible Agent, which is another take on Invisible Man. Yeah. Then there was, there's then, then they start doing the Frankenstein movies again, and their son of Frankenstein. Now, who here has seen Young Frankenstein, the Mel Brooks movie? Oh, that's one of my favorite Fra- movies ever. That's, Fra- okay. that's, that's Frankenstein. Fra- okay. Well, <laughs> Werewolf, watch, castle. Watch Young Frankenstein. Watch the son, watch son of Frankenstein and uh, Young Frankenstein. You'll get some of the bits like when they're in the castle and the stairs are going up. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I was like, oh my God, now I know where <coughs> Brooks got it from. It was the first Frankenstein movie, but this was the big one because this had the one where he meets the blind beggar. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just that's just it. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone thought he just made up all half the characters. It's like, no, he's taking segments from. From the, you know, I love when he busts because then the funny thing is John Carradine comes in as a hunter. Says, "What's going on? You know, that's the monster. What? What a monster! I don't monster. You know." (laughs) (laughs) And Son of Frankenstein has Bella Lugosi in it. Yes, there's lots of crossover, and and they they were literally all in the same lot, like all employed by Universal, so they. Even if they didn't have another sequel coming out, they they were constantly just getting on the next one. They break Yegor's neck, but they didn't do a good job. <laughs> which also, which now begs the question of whether Bill Lugosi ever did a rendition of Night Train to Mundofina. Oh my God! Yeah, so I mean, we're big Mystery Science Theater guys, so we are referencing plenty of other trashy, <laughs> goofy movies here. <laughs> It took I, him all I, the way to hell. On a broken cigarette and a penny. Yeah, Mondo, a penny. more like stupido. <laughs> Drink a lot of night train, go to the basketball game. For game. But For you know, game. it gets it it got me how they would do Son of Dracula and they put Lon Chaney Jr. in that role and it didn't fit for him. But then he does the Wolfman. Which I think is one of the most amazing movies ever to watch. Oh, totally. And then don't yes. forget, is it uh, Dracula versus 
uh, Frankenstein that he appears in. He appears in another one down the road. He appears in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah, but there's like some yeah. other one. Like Frankenstein. Was, I want to say no. I, I want to say it, it, I, I want to say there was there was one where they did Frankenstein. I would think it was Dracula versus Frankenstein or something like that. It wasn't canon. It wasn't part of Universal, but it was kind of funny how if the, if he wasn't being employed by Universal at the time, he just had to cross over with some other. There's a <laughs> there's a Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it's 1971's Dracula versus Frankenstein place, which as Dracula with an afro and <laughs> and Carol Nash, and I think Sounds it's like Dracula. It's Lon Chaney Jr.'s last movie. He's he's got cancer at that point, mm. and they're trying to, and you can tell he's not. It's not he's not talking as well as he should. You know, his voice yeah. sounds totally different. But the Wolfman, I love because of uh, the great old costume lady. and makeup. Yeah, yeah, but I love the old the old lady in it. Um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Mar- Maria Openskaya. All right, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna read you what she says in the movie. She's the old gypsy lady. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is what I love about when Amanda, you know who Gilbert Godfrey is, right? Yeah. Okay. He had that <laughs> podcast. He used to do uh, the, the, uh, the, a bit from, uh, from uh, the Wolfman. It's just, the way you walked was thorny through no fault of your own. But as rain enters the soil, the rivers enter the sea, so tears run to a predestined end. Now you will have peace and eternity. And, you know, it's the wolf. It's just, and she, he kills the wolf, right? Who's Bela Lugosi, but we don't see mm-hmm. his. You killed the wolf. Well, there's no crime in that, is there? The wolf was Bella. You think I don't know the difference between a wolf and a man? Bella turned into a wolf and you killed him. A werewolf can only be killed by a silver bullet, a silver knife, or a stick with a silver handle. You're, you're insane, I tell you. I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. And she's talking to, I'm sorry if I'm doing this, she's talking to Claude Rains, who's in this movie. She's like, you are not frightened, are you, Sir John? Frightened of what? Of the night? Rubbish, you startled me. Don't be startled, Sir John. You have a silver cane for protection. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Hasn't your son told you? You're the gypsy lady that's been filling his mind with this werewolf nonsense. A man turning into a wolf. We have superstitions and... But a man turning into a wolf, no, it's preposterous, preposterous. <laughs> this talk of pentagrams, you're not a child, man. You're a grown man, and you have to believe in the superstitions of a gypsy woman. So. Nice. I, yeah. Looking that hissing that you're injecting in there. <laughs> well, that lead, you know, I, I think that, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, I am Darren's wife, so I might be trying to politicize things a little bit, but I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> it leads me to the role, like, 
it's interesting the role that like the native like or indigenous people of the different lands that the monster movies take place like the role that they play and of course I mean whenever we're talking about old movies we have to deal with like racism is to some extent because it's just yeah. everywhere exactly but right. the voodoo some, bit. Some, yeah. <laughs> some of those the style all the time yeah it is interesting to see like um the 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 role that those people tend to play um and and of course it's 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 its own archetype that we could talk about but like of you don't know, like trying to tell our our you know white male uh hero or anti-hero like you don't know what you're doing like you don't know the area <laughs> you don't know what mm-hmm. you're talking about you're completely unfamiliar with what's happening and like that clash of like um you know what what it's- is yeah considering the like western knowledge base or whatever and then like the <laughs> yes well because you disagree with base. me you're inferior <laughs> well, you, you gotta think you gotta think too like the first the first dracula movie you know the, the, renfield steps off the coach and the guy goes you are here for overnight no i have to take a cat uh, a carriage to the borgo pass to the borgo pass you don't go to the borgo pass you stay here tonight. And it's like supposed to, it's supposed to be like a you know Romanian culture. That's what because you got to realize Eastern Europe, we didn't know much about it back then. You know. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they would always have these 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 comic semi-comic characters, semi-comic characters come in. That's their but exposition. You, don't yeah. you don't go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you see the wolf man, the woman, the woman, the old gypsy lady, she drives the story a lot. Yeah. You know. And it wasn't it wasn't a racial racial thing. I mean, it was a racial thing when a black guy would see, you know, uh, a, and I'm I'm saying this like right now, like they they I was I'd watch these old movies and it was like you know, White Zombie with uh, Bill Lugosi and I think Mantan Moreland was in it or something like that. And he's like, like they would they'd be like, like it would be like, why he turned into a goat? Right, not a really one. overdone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very enunciated, and and that's not, you know, and this is before we get to the fact that half the roles are, you know, once again, Westerners playing, you know, yeah, foreign roles, which is like, yeah, no, you're so not Native American or yeah, uh, African or whatever the hell you're playing. (laughs) It's like, but you got to realize, like, when they did like some of those movies, they did get people who were, you know, Russian or you know, Eastern European. Who had done, you know, like they they'd done that stuff. So you know, it don't you know, I I don't I don't I don't agree with some of the things that Universal did back then, you know, with how things were. But you know, you got to think that they're you're looking at a movie where you know the the guy's a fish out of water, like in Dracula, or like in uh, Frankenstein, you know. You know, there's a lot of them kind of follow a Tarzan kind of routine where yeah. the, the adventurer yeah. happens to be the bad guy for once. And he's basically just driven out of town. <laughs> they don't really have as much social commentary, but it's enough for the right people to get it. I was even just realizing uh, Captain Wild Woman. I didn't realize that was part of the lot, uh, you know, with uh man-made monster as well and indestructible oh i saw man-made monster yeah and and those kind of yeah go even looser with the experiment gone wrong and they're almost always in like some jungle that they're trying to take over for you know 
personal gain. So like like Amanda and JJ are harping on, it is easier to kind of root for the villains, you know, come up and and inevitable death because it's like they're already in a place which signifies nothing but just personal gain to them. You know? Well, I, I always I always love when they when when they would like they did like when you watch uh like one of those Republic B pictures. Yes. You know, and they're like, they're, they're, it's, a, it's Karloff, you know, Karloff is doing it just for the paycheck. And like, he's in the middle of the jungle and the guy's going, where's Dr. Hobson's house? He's like, white man house that way. And it's like, you know, a bunch of, and you know, it's like all these guys dressed in luck and you're just like, oh Jesus, please. I don't want to see this ever yeah, again. Yeah, you're not Indian. You're not a servant. Slavery was already wrong. So it's already bad enough as it is that we're seeing one of the heroes that happens to have a servant going along with him who what, ends up as a victim. <laughs> what do you guys think of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? I love that movie. I, I still recall it, it being pretty fun. Uh, Invisible Man was the first one I saw, and I just felt like it was a little weaker. But the mummy segment was pretty cool. <laughs> what, the Abbott yeah. and Costello meet the mummy? No, 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 the Invisible Man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like they were losing... That was the probably the weakest one out of out of the ones they did. And that says a lot because the Keystone Cops are also in it. <laughs> no, Jekyll and Hyde is the worst. I I think Doctor Jekyll, and, you know, meet Jekyll and Hyde. I think I've like, seen that one. Yeah, you know, but there's something about you know, Blue Costello and Bud Abbott. When it says, "Did you see Dracula's candle move?" <laughs> yeah, Did you see just, candle move. You know, he's always losing his shit <laughs> out of breath. <laughs> And then there's the one part where launching. I love says, those guys. Oh yeah, I, yep, I, the one part on I first. love is when when he says when he says at night midnight I turn to a wolf, you and a million other guys. <laughs> <laughs> you and a million other guys. Man. Yeah, that joke makes a lot more sense when you're older. This is why we have all this time as kids to be watching these and then grow up and rewatch. <laughs> We're actually paying attention to the dialogue and the sads. <laughs> Wilbur, Wilbur, I will put your brain in the monster. Then you will live from you. You want to put my, my brain in the monster? Well, what are you going to do with the monster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Trying to remember. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead because I cut you off before. So. Uh, Vin I know Vincent Price is in one of them, but he's just making a cameo as himself. He should have been. No, no, he, he he's in one of them. He plays the Invisible Man at the end of uh, Frankenstein. Because don't you know who I am? I'm the Invisible Man. <laughs> yes. The uh, because they were and, they and couldn't the they, they couldn't do it because Boris Karloff was going to do. Abbott and Costello meet the killer. No, Abbott and Costello, we're, we're, we're going to do meet the killer Boris Karloff. Oh, shit. Conflict of interest. <laughs> so they kind of kept, and they made Price the one that was going to do the cameo at the end. Very nice. Um, and I'll say this that, before that Blend was... Strange plays the creature. Yeah, Blend yeah, Strange. Anyway, sorry. Go, the ending, go, ahead, go ahead, Amanda. Before the time. ending was what I remember most about about Frankenstein uh, and still meet Frankenstein because it, even as a kid, it was like that's Invisible Man that set something up. I knew I knew <laughs> the I guy from somewhere. 
anyway, go, go, go ahead. Man. <laughs> well, no, I was just, I'm kind of taking it in a different direction, but you know, just talking about like watching things as kids and then watching them as an adult. And it, and I mentioned that I have a seven-year-old and he watched some of these movies with me. And so it's so interesting to like, see his perspective you know in a totally different now. world totally different interests yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah. I was just fortunate enough that when I wasn't watching movies I was always reading movie history books sometimes with photos so I always had like a I would always know enough about something and they were pretty good at not spoiling everything but just talking summing up the cultural phenomenon and more than just so and so won an Oscar for their portrayal of the monster or what have you and and I didn't always have that. My dad was a genre guy. And my mom was just kind of like, well, you know, I watched, I'm a Carol Burnett, Star Trek gal, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, my, my sister would do more just reading up on famous Hollywood scandals. And my brother didn't care about any of that. He was a baseball guy. So I was the only one. <laughs> I, I was just all into, What a weirdo. What, I, yeah, I was the weirdo. I was just like, who's this kid? He was quiet and reads just, movie history books all day it's this guy i was, I was talking about the baseball guy <laughs> what a i mean he's pretty good at what he does but <laughs> he's less weird than me anyway um ironically uh so i, I do feel you it is interesting just seeing it in today's lens and when you're on streaming you can only watch certain versions or certain remasters and kudos to the universal you know 4k blu-ray department they're already offering another yeah. uh, collection upgrade to 4k obviously they're not able to get all the ones but uh the last remaster was in 2018 from what i'm seeing here the complete and it's still not complete complete but they offered at least way more there were still ones missing like murders in the room more just a lot of the one-offs mm -hmm. but yeah they got way more bigger ones well, like captive wild woman Here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me is like Universal when they shifted the monsters away from the monsters, because that got kind of tiring after a while. They started doing like a tom, like you know, tarantula, the giant mantis. Yeah, just you know, and trying to get the success of them or some other giant, you know, yeah. creature. And that was the scary thing because that was the atomic age. Oh yeah. yeah, and yeah. this is before we're getting into George Romero territory, where now people are reminding each other horror movies are cautionary tales, and social commentary is very well, you know, merited. You know, mm -hmm. the monster represents exactly. the nuke. Yeah. You know, if you ever seen Tarantula, that movie is like, and yep. they did the Shrinking Man too. Yeah, uh, uh, Tarantula is interesting. How it's like. It's also kind of like where so many like later day tough guys get like you know their first star. I know Clint Eastwood, I think, is like a freaking fighter pilot. Yeah, he's the fighter pilot in that movie. <laughs> but yeah, I thought yeah. he was a scientist. Oh, that, that's, that's that's the preach, that's, creature that's too. Revenge of the creature. <laughs> oh, wow. okay. Revenge of the creature. He's the one that has the. He's trying to look for the mouse. He doesn't realize the mouse is in his pocket. And when they did that in Mystery Science Theater. They're like, yeah. oh, this guy didn't do anything after that. Yeah, he never really got that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always remember that commentary. <laughs> yeah, this guy, years before becoming an NRA supporter. But so which creature do you think ultimately wins in a fight? <laughs> we do a Godzilla style <laughs> mashup. Oh, 
Uh, <laughs> do you think the creature Frankenstein. can suck the blood of Dracula? Do you think? Oh, okay, so Frankenstein goes on a rampage. Frankenstein, Frankenstein is powerful. I really powerful. don't know what can yeah. even kill the guy. On even if you electrocute him, he's probably just going to pass out for maybe a decade and come back to life. Well, it's fire, from what I remember. Like fire, he was afraid of. Fire and is that, afraid of, but mm-hmm. I, so I, I think, think fire it, gives him pain. I mean, I can yeah. see the Wolfman burning him, maybe or something. Well, uh, the Wolf, the Wolfman would. Um, it's a little more cowardly lion, kind of. <laughs> yeah, he he was, but I mean, like you think about like the Wolfman would probably like try to rip him apart, but you know, Frankenstein would probably like you know take him and throw him down like a like, you know a, a, a cliff or something like that. Dracula, uh, I'm just like. I don't know. It's like if you put Dracula in a fight, what's he gonna do? You know, hypnotize somebody? No, disappear not- <laughs> and reappear. Can Dracula command the Wolfman? No, Ooh. no, he can't. Good question. Yeah, because had to put it out there across my some mind. versions. It Drac- does seem like he can do telekinesis or something. <laughs> Dracula can only Dracula can only command those who are under his power. So okay. if it was the Wolfman, he couldn't do it. But if it was a a, a man or a woman, he bit. He could do that. Could do I, I, I think yeah. if it was a hammer Dracula, he would ultimately win because he always seems to come back. Oh yes, that is yes, my favorite iteration. Christopher Lee. Um, maybe I, I think Dracula huh? could turn the Bride of Frankenstein against Frankenstein. Maybe. No. 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 Right. No. She's pretty no. awesome. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, you um, were... Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, now you first. I'm surprised. I'm surprised nobody mentioned the Invisible Man in this. We did. Would... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the Wolf Man would tear did. him apart. Well, I mean, if he could first. find him. Exactly. And, he, and there's no. I'm not sure if, there, if there's any indication that um, that in the Wolf Wolfman has the Wolf's uh, heightened uh, sense of smell. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I do. I do kind um, of feel like the Love of Extraordinary Gentleman did a fun kind of play on the Invisible Man by just showing how. Yeah, but yeah. But the Invisible Man doesn't really need to fight until the very end. He could hide for as long as it takes and let let the let the big, bigger and stronger ones kind of wear themselves out and and then surprise attack. All surprise all, yep. all he has to do to find the Invisible Man is do a swift kick somewhere, and he'll go. Oh! That's all you got to do to beat the Invisible. Man. <laughs> I got him in the snow. Isn't that what we learned? Yeah, you did. Yeah. No. They, oh, that's right. And Amanda, this is yeah. assuming Van Helsing isn't in this match either in a tower somewhere ready to shoot a crossbow. <laughs> they get Just, him in the get him in the snow in the movie because he's walking and they find the tracks. And remember they they're all grouped together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, nobody the best part of that is Una O'Connor, who plays the old lady. She's like, hey, I'll blow you your sup. What are you looking at? Not, nothing, nothing at all, nothing. And she runs out and she's like, she tells him, oh, I swear he has no, nothing underneath those bandages. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No, nothing. <laughs> oh, man. What do you think about the um, humor, the humor aspect? That's always something that's really interesting to me in horror generally. You know, like yeah, because not between... everyone has an aunt or grandparent they can watch these with, especially nowadays. So it is a good question: is like, who could you find? 
who got get you, know, you would probably want to film historian or someone else who's just you know a book nerd to probably join in on the chat with you there's um, watch it <laughs> there's something funny about dracula that i've always loved it's renfield oh yeah it's such yes. a renfield because Dr- Dr- dwight dwight fry for that role when he goes totally nut nutso ape ape shit and he's in the yeah. yeah there's somebody in the boat there's somebody down in the galley and he just it just opens it up and you see him he's like <laughs> and then he's like renfield do you know about dracula dracula i've never heard of such a man rats thousands of rats he's promised me their eyes red <sighs> <laughs> i'm loving your voiceovers my dude <laughs> but no that that these are all great questions because yeah this is like sometimes the comedic idiot ends up being the spotter who spots the monster or unintentionally mm-hmm. attracts the attack mob to the creature <laughs> or think- gives the mad scientist a a hint that even they weren't smart enough to come up with it's just like they they all have everyone is all interconnected here and it's all it pretty much gets you revved up for the inevitable shocking uh, and very violent finale. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there's nothing there's nothing about like some of those movies, like if you watch The Wolfman, okay, there's no there's no really humorous character. No. If, it's very right, if Dr. Pretorius is actually the first real gay character on screen that's interesting yeah you watch it he's he's you know he's he's like you know he smokes the cigarette and he's like he's like i made these myself like he looks at like victor frankenstein like you know (laughs) what do you have (laughs) no i mean no if you watch it you know he's a very flamboyant character you know and um with with um the mummy i don't remember well frankenstein there's the old baron you know uh, victor's i think grandfather or father Mm -hmm. but he goes up there to see victor and he's like you know what are you doing you know he's like he's just he's like the old man who basically just wants his son to be a good person and not toy around with anything you know but how good he was at accomplishing that (laughs) at a medical school and he's like are you trying to create life out of you know nothing? You know, he's like, and he's just you know. But there's 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 certain like there's certain things you got to start laughing at when you watch some of these movies, you know, just the performances of some people. There are going to be some over the top ones, and it's just part of how dated it is. But it does add an extra charm, fortunately. You know, Dwight Fry, I think that goes so over the top. You know, <laughs> I don't think anyone was giving him notes. It's like you act. You promised me life. No, no, I won't do it. I, I won't. I won't. You know. <laughs> yep. He, he's got to do it. He's got to interject his voice in there somewhere. <laughs> if Universal were to ever do these movies again, oh, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm scared they're going to try to that somebody's going to take something the wrong way 
and be insulted by it. You have to, what you have to think is, okay, you could tweak the script a little bit, but you know, there are some things in some of those movies you're like, uh, no, we won't be doing that. You know, like Dracula to have the, the Romanian people, you know, dressed up. First off, it takes place in Romania, but they're dressed like Germans. Yeah, I can't can't redo that. <laughs> but it was like the thing was like was cracking up. Like they, everybody who was Eastern European did not know how to speak correct English. <laughs> you want to go to castle? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there's an opportunity. Well, I I mean, I think we all live in fear of the remake, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even when I saw Van Helsing, I felt like that was a missed opportunity because it had a lot of labor of love and it just felt kind of unorganized with bringing all the creatures on screen. <laughs> but there is like opportunity, you know, I mean, there's also opportunity. There's fear there, but there's also opportunity. And I think, again, don't want to take the conversation uh, out of topic, but like I think about something like Prey for the Predator series, which I know uh, had mm-hmm. a lot of controversy around it, but like, what a cool opportunity. Um, a very progressive Native American movie and just a very yeah. cool, just origin story. Yeah. Like, Here's the first hunter who went against the infamous creature. Yeah, and, and so- Had a chance using he, the old school technique, camp out, use the darkness, you know. <laughs> Anything it could do, you know, but that was smart too because it showed how it was when colonial, you know, I think it was colon the colonials were showing up there too. Yeah. 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 So I think and was- what a shame so it had to go to streaming to be a hit, you know. It, streaming is the new age of made for TV direct to video. And now everyone's fortunately after oversaturating themselves, I think you guys are onto something. I think this is now the new home for this is where the experiments are going to go. I mean, there's already this new Hellraiser coming out that's anticipated. I'm looking forward to it because I'm a big Jamie Clayton fan. It's like everyone's finally kind of coming out of the woodwork a bit and saying, hey, you know, we don't have to worry about what we made it for or anything or the box office return or investors that attract, you know, are attracted by whatever famous name we're putting in this. Now, you know, we can give a chance to a bunch of these other indie cult, movie guys uh have you guys seen any of the movies that christopher are memes okay no. so that's a no that's a big ass no, no. Don't um, believe so, so anyway uh he he's uh since around uh oh nine ish he's been I, I can spell his name out for you guys uh he's been doing a lot of just like ever since just making movies in his backyard literally he's been doing a lot of tributes to 50s type creature features and so I would not be surprised if he tries to do his version of a classic, like universal homage. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, and I, go ahead. Go ahead, Amanda. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, again, I, I, and I challenge me here, but like, I feel like trying to make if there were remakes, like trying to make like a shot for shot remake of yeah, let's not have a psycho ninety-eight to back. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly. Oh. All right. So yeah, I know. Don't do a shot for shot remake. Do your own twist on it, right? Exactly. And like, so there's opportunity to, you know, revisit these classic 
stories in a way that could be challenging, could be fun, but the leaves the originals in intact. You know what I'm saying? At least totally. that's my, my dream. Yeah. Well, no, I, I would hope for that because we do have more progressive crowds and we have kicked a lot of the shitheads in Hollywood out. There's no more John Peters or Weinsteins, you know, and some of the other, you know, like Amy Pascal at Sony and some of the other just dickheads who, you know, like I love Joel Silver, but he left Hollywood fortunately at a good time. You know, it, no one could stand his angry tipper tantrums. <laughs> no yeah. one wants well, to work thing, with that. The thing is, is that they're going to, they just greenlit Nosferatu. If anybody oh, wow. saw that, they're, they're, they greenlit Nos- they're Nosferatu. They're really going to try that again. They're going to try making it again, but I'm going to say this. Don't screw up. Number one, don't screw up the story. Number two, don't make the makeup like somebody did it in their backyard. Make it look like Max Shrek. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nobody I still gets... think that is one of the creepiest looking film monsters ever. Yeah. yeah. No yeah, doubt. Absolutely. Don't, don't. Everybody who tries to do the makeup never gets it right. And, you know, don't, I mean, the only time I saw them do it right was Werner Herzog's uh, 79 version, which I think is, is like what, what you said, Amanda, put it, put a twist on it where the vampire wants to die, you know? Right. I mean, I've been kind of burned out on some of the Disney remakes because it's just very easy for them to do, but I kind of dug the Maneficent, how they twisted around here's her viewpoint yeah yeah that was and pretty good actually you have all these lord of the rings type battles and then other kingdom sword and sandal type intrigue so it's not just you know a villainous getting revenge and wicked meets you know the dark knight i call it <laughs> yeah well, I mean, it, yeah go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say it's, it's all good we're, we're all animated here so let's go ahead yeah. It's, it's fun, you know, to have these, you know, I, I'm, I think it's fun to revisit stories. And, and so I, I don't want to say out of hand that that's bad. I would say that my little heart would love to see, and I'm not against, you know, computer effects in any way. I think they do a lot of really cool, fun things. Well, and that's just like, it. Post-Jurassic Park, there's been plenty of big techniques and a lot of the people who hate CGI, you know, they're kind of as bad as like people who get into politics. They they're like, I hate that. I'm like, okay, so what's the <laughs> what's the substitute? Oh, I don't have an answer. Well, so why do you care if you're just gonna bitch, you know? Right. Yeah. But I do love a good practical effect. And I do think no, like for me, blending explosions. Yeah. Yeah, blending the two is is I, you know especially when we're talking about like horror or monster horror. Yeah. I love to see a good blend of, a, you know, I love the old practical effects. Even some of the action guys. The practical like, effects to me, I think, blend in a lot better uh, with yeah. CGI. So there's people who can do both. CGI like, is done right. It it looks good. Like there's people cases, still doing the, terrible. I mean, Walter Hill has a new Western coming out. I'm sure he was able to get some practical stuff. Uh, Martin Campbell and Antoine Fuqua, I think, both make great use of practical practical, practical and yeah. CGI. So, like, mm-hmm. for instance, the bloody squibble hit the guy in the chest or in the head, and then the rest is, like, just some CGI that sprays everywhere or just, you know, and it 
I mean, Paul's a Doctor Who fan. I, I remember seeing one a few years back that was a good, perfect example. The the exhaust hitting the ground is practical, but the CGI blast obviously is a laser, you know, added in post. You know? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You can do, like you say, you can do both. You, you look at Spielberg's early, you know, you know, student films when he was a kid. He practically, uh, they even played in the recent HBO documentary about five years ago. Is like, he's literally, his friends would, jump on a plank which makes it look like there's an explosion behind him you know and the sand you know uproars behind yeah. him is like there's so many different techniques that you and i think rick baker who sadly just retired you know from hollywood a few years many years back uh almost half a decade ago is like because he was just sick of playing this whole game how much money will it take versus how you know how will it look uh, is like people have to understand what they're talking talking about let alone working with before they can say yes or no to any of this and unfortunately many just want to keep taking shortcuts like and it's not it's not only that but it's like you know you design something like a creature from the black lagoon that was a suit that wasn't a guy in a green and this suit. is pretty was, safety you know and yeah. so this is a guy yeah. named rico, rico browning who was a who was a licensed diver you know this guy taught you know and he was in that suit and you know hot. you got you got to realize you know he, it's a practical suit if you look at something like like i've always said the thing about planet of the apes right when you watch the planet of the apes movie that was um who was the guy who did that i keep forgetting who did the makeup for that um you know the original planet of the apes that was tried and true you know prosthetics and stuff like okay. that and you got to treat your entire crew you know you Smith, can't treat Dick them Smith, like garbage Dick Smith. Dick Smith, yeah. the legendary Dick, Dick Smith. Smith, but you got to have some good wardrobe. You got to have a good stunt coordinator. I mean, I was hearing one of the guys who worked on one of the Ewok movies, and he noted how all the portrayers of the Ewoks literally had to, you know, they couldn't see in their outfits when they actually put it on, you know, yeah, post break. So they had to count to themselves while walking in what they thought was the left or right direction is like one, two, three, fall down here you know or jump up here and so you do need a lot of good coordination you do need a lot of like amanda and jj you are both harping on is like you got to calculate this all there's got to be a good line producer who also has it in their passions like okay 20 million is going to go to effects 20 million extra is going to go to you know obviously makeup and wardrobe and uh pretty much you could cast an unknown cast and i think that would appeal to it more you wouldn't have all this you know oh fuck it i'm not watching it tom cruise is in it you know you wouldn't have all this <laughs> you know prejudice build up before it's even out you know you're you're not distracted by the famous faces now you're just going because like star wars it's in the name you know <laughs> i mean you look at someone like lon cheney who's the, the man of a thousand faces oh you yeah see that makeup that he did for now i've seen him pictures of him putting the makeup on for phantom of the opera okay it's and pretty wild right it's pretty wild it shows him it shows him like before he puts the dentures in it's him and mary philbin and i think the guy who directed it was Ruben mammalian um they're they're outside and they're filming the scene and he he comes by and he's he's got like you know he's 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 partially dressed as the phantom right yeah. and you see he's got the 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 the, the case with him the case that he used and that was like this is before, you know, guys were doing makeup. That's what that's what makes Universal so fun. The makeup, 
the way the monsters were made up you know yeah, it, when we're figuring out about temperature and when it's got to be applied practically some actors having to sleep in it you know all night long yeah. and uh yeah i mean i could see andy circus and peter jackson probably getting into it somewhere down the road or producing yeah. someone who wants to do some kind of tribute to this saga the, the question is ultimately would universal you know give the money for it or would they try and be cheap <laughs> I I think Universal is going to try to restart the monster franchises and the mummy tanked with Tom Cruise. That was so bad. And I, I just was like, thank God. That, you know, because... That was, was, well, and it didn't help that Tom Cruise apparently bullied Alex Kurtzman, who's now in charge of the Star Trek franchise, and basically made him his bitch. He was like, uh, I'm going to direct and rewrite everything. Duly noted. You know? <laughs> You, yeah, you need nice. you can't have people who are just taking shit over like that and i mean then like you say they're trying to set it up to where it's all interconnected but it's not earned it's like everyone going into it didn't know that russell crowe was playing van helsing it just didn't yeah it just was it, it did not register <laughs> it's like everybody's oh, just left to their own devices without any notes it's dr jekyll Dr. Jekyll, my bad. Either way, yeah. He was acting in a so atypical way. You're just like, wait, what? Where is this? Yeah, and so when people try to just kind of, you know, when they include Easter eggs at the end, it should be after everything else is done. You know, it shouldn't be. It was like, let's let's get all too cute for our own good and leave, you know, 50 more pages that we have to film, you know, on the cutting room floor. And I think it just doesn't help that you know, when you write a script, all your actions that you're describing last only a few sentences. A 20-minute, you know, monster rampage or fight scene lasts literally two, you know, a quarter of a page, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to figure it all out after the fact, how many shots to linger on, how to generate suspense, uh, how many gaffers you need for a crane shot. It's all, it is crazy. And Kudos to those who have still been in it and have been able to live all the horror stories for real. <laughs> I, I, I do feel like there are other uh, makeup guys who've been around forever who would still be able to do it. Uh, years ago, I would have said Stan, Stan Winston. I don't really know what his creature effects shop is up to these days. But... I don't know if Stan Winston is... is yeah, his his effects were always... You know, the makeup was always amazing for the stuff he right. did. Right, I mean, because those were yeah. effects in and of itself. I mean, uh, I know his school is still going, so that's cool. But... Well, this has been a delight just having you all in here. been a delight meeting you, Amanda, and just, I feel like we all just kind of hyped up on just, these are always just going to be bound to be discovered. Like, I, I can't think of anyone who hasn't, like, either grown up on them or is about to become a fan like they've been reissued so many different times and they're almost always on turner classic or yeah antenna um, channels yeah. they're all either on tubi now or oh, really uh, <laughs> oh nice yes Sven yeah. was showing a lot of them recently and that was a lot of fun he would he did one that just literally almost made me shit my pants i'm not kidding like he was doing a funny frankenstein rap 
and making it look like he was hitting the bongo drums and doing some percussion. <laughs> he was re-editing it and make it, you know, and usually you're used to just the simple thing where it looks like he's walking into a scene to remind everyone that the movie's back. But this was just like, oh my God. And of course, like Elvira and Joe Bob, he'll do the movie trivia, but it was, it was really a hoot. <laughs> Do you guys know that Lugosi was was asked to play um, Frankenstein in 1932? I think and, I heard the stories, but I never, yeah. I, yeah. I never, I didn't know the politics behind it. Why he turned it down or didn't get picked? He he didn't want to wear the makeup. Who's going to Oddly enough, he did play Frankenstein's monster in, a, yeah. in another movie, The Wolfman. Oh no! It was Abner Costello versus Frankenstein because Glenn Strange broke his foot at one point or something like that. I, I'm trying to remember what it was. Nowadays, how much would you say uh, makeup takes to apply now? I still hear free hours, but it back around the '80s to night, especially the '90s. I Lord knows how much back then it, it would often take five hours. I'm guessing three day. hours is probably about the minimum yeah. these days. Yeah, but that if you don't want someone storming off, you know, and that's just it, you know, you have to find out the hard way whether the vision, so-called visionary is working, you know, on budget, on time, and or versus, you know, you're having the makeup applied, but then finding out that it's malfunctioning, you know, you, you can't, you got, you can't afford to have any other screw ups. Everyone's got to feel like something is getting done. <laughs> exactly. I always laugh a little bit at like, you know, when I see the pictures of Karloff in the makeup and, you know, he's like, he was like real thin under that whole outfit. He was like really a thin guy. But you, see, <laughs> you see a lot of behind the scenes footage of him, you know, with yeah. the makeup. And I found out the reason why his cheeks were so sunken was because he had dentures and he took the dentures out. And that's why he looks, his face looks so sunken when he's dressed up when he's done up as uh as the monster <laughs> uh he he definitely has just so many moments where it just seems like his his head's not in the clouds but it is definitely somewhere else like something important is happening <laughs> uh, you mean frankenstein uh frankenstein but yeah definitely lugosi a bit um and, and i mean again a lot of them are stage actors or we're used to being the guys in the creature suits but yeah, I mean, with the heat, they were definitely losing a lot of weight. <laughs> Those long no, no, hours. naturally a thin man, uh, Karloff. He was a very thin. He was very tall too. Mm. But I can. It's like it's like with 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 uh, Fred Gwynn when he was doing the monsters. You know, mm. he'd lose like ten pounds of water a day when he was uh, when he was filming because that suit was so heavy on him. Oh wow. But the thing with Karloff I love is when he's like, he said, like they were, he was doing an interview, he says the way I articulated the monster was that he was like a small child. <laughs> Basically, to reach out to his father or his mother. You know, he's like, <laughs> you know, like that. And then when the monster starts talking, he's like, good, good, bad, bad. <laughs> oh, good! You know, you and I die together. Bride of Frankie. Man. Oh man. 
uh is there going to be any are there any more recent books that anyone recommends reading that talk about the making of some of these things it seems like a lot of those are now collector's items or less published around maybe 92 <laughs> i don't know if there are it um, seems like you see them in snippets in some yeah. history books but you're better off just i guess listening to a commentary track or going to a site that's dedicated to it yeah but some yeah. of those are like geo cities era <laughs> they did not you know update past 0307 so. but um i'm trying to think of something to say here and i can't um oh good it's been a long day <laughs> long day for me um teach some music after all my dude <laughs> i think we're gonna have to do that um but yeah um the thing that gets me the most about universal stuff is that it never really downgraded in quality you know yeah i mean it even with mgm uh, and hammer trying to do their own thing they were they always pretty much had their eyes set on the prize okay let's do a new one and just have a new cast and crew and let them take it off it kind of evolves more naturally before you know unlike say maybe james bond where you know they're going with so many different tones and focusing so much on the different you know places to film and the soundtrack that they kind of forget the plots yeah james bond turned 60 yesterday wow yeah (laughs) i'm growing up watching these with their parents and wondering wow (laughs) yes money penny um (laughs) i can see sean connery fighting them (laughs) i'll take frankenstein for 500 trebek <laughs> I'll take your mama for five. Oh, she wanted your pig. <laughs> Wait, I can't. I don't want to say because I don't want to offend anybody here. But um, you know, she was going to take. I gave her five, but she looked like a cheap. You know, no, no, Mister, 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 Mister Connery. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> now, um, I do. We'll do a plug here for those who. This is a guilty pleasure of mine, but. Because of the subject matter, I almost think I have to put in a plug for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I love that one. It's, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's nothing like the comic, which, you know, it was fun. Like Watchmen is filled with all kinds of betrayals, rape, and gore. And this one, I mean, with Sean Connery attached, I mean, just the beginning alone, that reminded me of Dr. No when he, you know, and encounters a traitor who's just taken a cyanide pill you know and then the rest is basically kind of indiana jones adventure yeah with fox's hand in it you can kind of see where it's trying to be a little like x-men and you know it's the director of blade and it's a shame that i think everyone yes more people have just heard the behind the scenes stories of the actor and director hating each other's guts and oh yeah compared to how many people have actually seen it you know and yeah it, it was it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but it wasn't really Dr. Jekyll or Yeah, not really, but it was it was a fun kind of twist. And I forget uh Pete like Peter Wilson that. or the Nikita gal, yeah, who Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forget who she played, but she was playing a key. Amina Harker. Amina Harker. Yeah. Okay. And then 
then they had Captain Nemo, who I thought was really well done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I actually tried looking around for other stuff that actor had been in, and it hadn't been much because he really did steal the show as Captain Nemo. Kind of give it a fun, Captain classy. Nemo. He was awesome with that. And you got to like a guy who just like is just fearless. He is bringing literally a sword to a gunfight. He's like, but I got the ship. <laughs> <laughs> no he doesn't die in that right no he doesn't die but he he's often in a lot of scenarios where there's gunplay going off and he's still just kind of like a highlander just standing around just <laughs> proud with the sword <laughs> this is zoro yeah well plus he had, plus he had the car he did yeah. have a car and i think that's it is, is i saw so many other people who turned it off the minute uh tom sawyer enters the picture and i was just like you know i don't have a problem with shane west i know he's kind of eye candy but he's kind of cool it's tom sawyer <laughs> yeah and the reason i brought up uh league of extraordinary gentlemen is because it there's a lot of it that is a homage to the to the to the um universal monsters yeah and i would be remiss if i didn't if i didn't call that out because it was it was definitely a labor of love it's just yeah every and for the most part, most critics, the only thing nice thing they would say is, I like the shots, I like the cinematography and set design. It's like, well, I mean, it says a lot because they were doing more than just using James Bond locations. They were using, you know, just some other parts of Europe that hadn't ever been filmed. And mm -hmm. it's not all green screen, but I can see why, you know, like what Amanda was hitting on before is like, it's easy for those who already reject something or aren't into a story to just assume everything is all green screen or everything is all practical. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. it's a little bit of everything. It's just, you're getting caught up with the stuff you don't like. And you're just, it's like a pill. You're just spitting it out. <laughs> yeah. And to, to Amanda's point, there were, Mina Harker played a really good, um, had a really good role in it. She was, not yeah. only the scientist, but she was also was a vampire badass. Yeah. yeah. She was a vampire, but she wasn't a vampire. She was like, she had Dracula's blood in her. Yes. Like yeah, that was turned. a fun, that was a fun twist on it, too. Yeah. You know, just have them all be basically mutants of some sort. Yeah. And Dorian Gray. Oh, whatever yes. happens. Yeah, it's another story that. A lot of people seem to have talked about, but every time there's like an adaptation of that, it seems like it's all it either doesn't get sold or it's it gets independently distributed. I mean, there's even a bunch of other ones I've been trying to track down that have an interesting take on that subject matter. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like kind of like all these books that are uh, just, you know, no longer read. And even schools anymore is like there there are some of these movies which took a while to even be in the complete universal collection and some are still not in the collection but i mean shout factories put out a bunch of them i i think a lot of this folklore you know people can turn to the internet and even do an essay on it still you know uh, summing up the evolution of these um you know various characters and portrayals Yeah, this has been a delight, guys. It really is. Just venturing back in time, just seeing that it's more than just, you know, a sitcom reference or a mirror, just parody that everyone knows it for. Everyone does kind of 
get a lot of themes from these creatures and everyone has their favorite one i still see people cosplay them or you know i'm not so much at halloween i still have kind of unimaginative people trying to be the billionth you know jedi knight or ghost face from scream <laughs> but every once in a while i will see someone who want who does do a pretty cool creature feature and it's more than just gamera or godzilla it's more like yeah they'll try and do a mummy they'll try and do a uh definitely a frankenstein and wolfman i, and I saw one do a break see dracula one time they had the cape and everything in fact i think they bought the they got the cape they got the actual like the actual like the, the the necklace that he wears like that that thing um you know and he was at a he was at a, a comic book convention and he, you know, he came in and he was like everybody was going ooh this comic is going back on the shelf i gotta talk to this guy <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say come here <laughs> you are very strong, Van Helsing. Stronger than you think, Count. What is it now? Wolfsbane? More powerful than Wolfsbane, Count. Whips out the cross and goes, <sighs> like that, you know. Oh, God. That's freaky. Oh, well, you are this man, Van Helsing. One of these days. I'll probably get some free time and finally finish my Wishmaster outfit. Oh. If Amanda wants to hear this, I got my... <laughs> I, 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 I got a Nosferatu mask, and then I got some Maleficent horns and tipped them oh. upside down. Yes! <laughs> and so then I could get that. And so then the matter was, I then was I then I took a Jedi robe. I should probably just painted it different. I just The hard part was just figuring out what kind of armor and right. Hellboy type, you know, gloves to kind of put on i did ha I, I had some like red serpent type of claws that could be used as either a vampire or a demon but Excellent. i just not and i just kind of stopped doing it i got so distracted with work a year before even covid hit and then i just kind of just like i just put it to the side and like i'll just kind of do this for fun but i kind of want to complete it somewhere along the way <laughs> it's there it's waiting when the time is right and i was infuriated because i went to a convention and no one knew who the fuck i was Oh. and That's i kept worst. i kept making jokes i even had a red ruby in my shoulders i'm like pinhead but i play tricks <laughs> no one knew That's the, the fuck worst I when was. you have the best idea and like nobody's there with you uh the best part was there was a guy trying to sell a bunch of college students at that convention some insurance and i just kept fucking around with him <laughs> nice are you trying to sell me something i to create you a wish <laughs> i love it <laughs> Well, I just want to say, I, we can keep chatting, but I just want to say thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. This just was like very cool. <laughs> busted into the party and I'm just, it was a lot My of My condolences. I, I heard you've had an incident in your family. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, this is the know, worst I, time for that. And I, yeah. I, I, I told Darren I had a COVID scare about two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It was scary, but you know, I'm... Just uh, it was a lot of fun to be here and talk about Universal Monster movies. Oh yeah, so and much. he does a hell of a job with Psycho Semantic. He picks the most uncanny movies, some which you know are hits so deep you can just kind of tell that the corporate powers that funded it really secretly don't want it out there anymore. And <laughs> it's so close yeah. to home, <laughs> it's even he, funnier. He definitely uh, can politicize uh, anything and is on hand to radicalize anyone who's ready to uh, get political and get 
progressive so it's definitely even trickier because it'll take on some other movies where it's like what was going with this ending or did <laughs> the movie it. take a different form even though the filmmaker was even more radical than the characters portrayed <laughs> right <laughs> even to see him get into some other guys or even crazier like john malias is even more of a treat <laughs> like oh what side of the equator does he fall in or does he just like to talk shit <laughs> right i love it oh man so love you jj love you tom love you paul thank you. Well, welcome back anytime thank amanda <laughs> thank you so much I'll Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.